2: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy nall More than half of Connecticut's residents have gotten at least one dose of the COVID vaccine to date. And Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey are all expected to lift most COVID restrictions by mid-May. Does that mean our economy is improving too? The picture looks different for Connecticut employers depending on the type of work. Coming up, we talk to economists and we want to hear from you. Are you a small business owner having trouble filling positions? You can join us at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Joining me now on Zoom is Eric Nelson. He's owner of Garden Paths Incorporated in Bethlehem. Eric, welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, thanks for having me.
2: So you've been a landscaper for about more than 40 years. This is a busy time for you. What does your staff normally look like and what have you been experiencing now, Eric?
1: Well, it is extremely busy. Um, And actually, it's been a little over 35 years that we've been here. Um, Right now, uh, we have had a really tough time finding people to fill positions. Um, Our staff is typically five or six people, so really small.
2: So when you say you're having a tough time, how do you normally find employees to do this, this hard work? Landscaping is definitely hard work, especially in those summer months.
1: You know, that's an excellent point. Um, when we first started, it was actually very easy to find men. Um, I could typically find farm kids that would bring in their friends. And um, I've had people stay for 10 and 12 years, learn everything that we could teach them, send them to school. And a lot of people actually have started their own business from there. Um, Right now, what we did was to put ads on Indeed Craigslist, the local college board, um, you know, job placement, uh, the local papers. I've hired an employment agency and um, we're still looking for people.
2: Mm -hmm. And why do you think you're having trouble this year, Eric?
1: You know, um, I'll just point out something that happened last year that that might put it into a little bit of perspective. Uh, I did put an ad up on Indeed and I had over 80 responses within a month and no one showed up to fill out an application. Uh, They just responded and expressed interest. And then at one point, one of the applicants tipped their hand and said, you know, I'm sorry to waste your time, but I have to do this to show that I'm looking for employment to receive my benefits. Now, I don't know how the system worked, uh, but that's the information that I was given.
2: Mm. So that happened. So that was the, the one conversation you had with someone. But meanwhile, you're still not able to find workers Uh, last year there was a lot less that we knew about the pandemic and this virus and so do you think that played a factor people were afraid to go back to work eric
1: you know um i i can't really speculate on that i can tell you that this season um i have had all those ads out in place for two months and almost no response
2: And so what does that mean for your business?
1: Uh, It means that we're turning down a lot of work. Uh, It also means that clients that we've served for 20 plus years are having to wait for for us to get there.
2: Does that mean you're also taking on a lot of these jobs yourself, Eric?
1: Uh, Yes, but that's nothing new. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's right, as a small business owner, uh, you you understand uh, that part of uh, of the job. And so what does that mean for you moving forward? Uh, obviously, uh, unemployment insurance benefits are, have been expanded until at least uh, early September now, and so do you feel like you need to offer a more competitive wage? What have you been paying uh, people to do the work uh, before the pandemic?
1: You know, um, we have adjusted our pay scale. Um, and it's, it's difficult to say how, we, how we're going to react because at this point in time, uh, I am paying men more than I ever have paid before for people that are coming uh, across our threshold not knowing anything about our business. Um, I do, I'm very happy to train people, uh, but it's very difficult to increase wages um, so substantially for people that don't really know our craft.
2: So explain that a little bit more, Eric, because for people who don't understand landscaping and horticulture, you know, what it means, it's not just showing up to to mow someone's lawn.
1: Well, you know, that, I think that's a, an excellent point. Um, we Our business actually doesn't deal with turf, with the exception of installation of turf. Um, I think that many people don't understand that this is a trade like any other that that demands a lot of education to do it well. Um, We make it a point uh, to be highly educated and to offer services um, that are compatible with with what our clientele expects. Um, So there's an awful lot of knowledge that goes into this, uh, and it takes time. You, You can't just show up and work for a weekend and understand the whole of our trade.
2: What about other landscapers and other trades uh, that people that you know who own small businesses, what are they experiencing, Eric?
1: Um, Well, you know, I was really curious because it it has been so tough for us. I did start to call around and ask around through the different trades, uh, building, heavy construction, irrigation. even right down to friends who own shops, uh, hardware stores, um, everyone is experiencing the same thing. I spoke with a crane operator the other day and he said, you know, uh, we're having such a hard time in our business that now instead of operating the crane, I'm jumping in and out of that machine and doing the hand labor as well. Uh, that's that's fairly unprecedented in his industry. Um, so. Almost everyone I speak with that owns businesses is having some sort of a labor issue.
2: Mm. I had mentioned to you about what you're gonna do uh, moving forward. Uh, The work that you do is seasonal. So come September, again, with unemployment insurance benefits, potentially uh, the benefits not being expanded, who knows what Congress will do, but in terms of of your work and the number of jobs that you're gonna have to turn down, you know what are your plans for after september
1: well typically our season runs uh through december and then uh, we shut down until march of the following year um i'm not sure i understand the question uh directly uh if if you're asking me if i'm considering that we're going to take a big financial hit this season the thought has definitely crossed my mind but you know, we've been playing the game for a long time, and uh, I, I think it's another bump in the road that we'll just have to get over.
2: As a small business owner, have there been federal uh, support that you've been able to access in this pandemic, Eric?
1: Um, yes, that uh, the PPP loan was certainly a help. Um, we did not apply for that this season. Um, As I say, I I think that we're going to get through this. It's just, it's just a real challenge.
2: What do you want other people to know about what you're experiencing? Because as we hear about uh, the economy uh, picking up, at least uh, based on, when we look at what happened last year, there's been some improvement, but in terms of what you wanna see from policy leaders uh, to help you and other small business owners.
1: Well, I'm certainly not an economist. All I can do is react to what I see on a daily basis. Um, Just from a logical perspective, it seems to me that giving out money uh, is, I think it can be a wonderful thing to help people out of a big jam. But I also think that it may be human nature uh, or just very logical, if someone can sit home and make as much, if not more, than they would
2: by going to work, I think that's the decision that will be made by
1: the majority of the people that may receive money from the government. So I think there's a danger in giving away too much.
2: Again, you've been hearing Eric Nelson, owner of Garden Paths. Again, this is a a garden uh, landscaping business in Bethlehem, Connecticut. Uh, Eric, having trouble finding workers, something that started last year in the pandemic. If you're a small business owner, we'd love to hear from you as well, 860. 888-720-9677, 888, 888 rather seven two zero nine six seven seven. that's eight 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 seven two 720 wnpr or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Juliana's calling in. Uh, Juliana, welcome to the show. Hi, Lucy, thank you so much for having me again. Such a pleasure. So you are an owner of a restaurant. Tell us more about what you've been experiencing uh, now that we're, <laughs> we feel like we're turning a corner, Juliana, but what about you as a, a restaurant owner? What are you seeing?
3: Well, we're really excited that on May 19th, the restrictions are going to be lifted because it's been rough having limited spacing in the restaurant. We own a restaurant in um, Old Saybrook called La Morea, and we are fine dining. So, um, But right now, the difficulty is in finding staff. We had to lay off staff, of course, over the winter again because um, there wasn't enough work. And then when we called people to come back, (laughs) some chose not to. So that was hard. And it was a lot of people that worked with us since the beginning. And and that kind of hurt us. And to get people in right now, most restaurants, not just us, locally have for hire signs outside or posting. um, On Indeed, Um, Connecticut Restaurant Association has a job post um, that you can put up for job listings, um, for help wanted. So right now we are lacking in wait staff, um, and bartending. So, Mm. you know, it's rough because without the restrictions, we can do more business, but the service is going to lack because, you know, when I had 17 people on the floor staff, it's going to, it's little, it's a little over half of that right now. Mm. So, that's going to be hard. So especially Mother's Day, we have 200 people reserved. So I'm hoping that we do everybody justice and, and you know, the, the servers do their best to, you know, accommodate everyone. But we have no choice because we have to be busy um, to kind of recuperate.
2: And why do you think that you have these positions that are remaining unfilled, Juliana? Well,
3: like Eric had said, um, you know, it doesn't help when, you know, they're still offering the 300 supplemental on unemployment. Um, I, you know, I agree with him that you know there are people who need it. But, you know, if we're trying to reopen the state of Connecticut on May 19th, um, what we're finding is people who do want to work, they're asking us if they can just work part-time so they can collect part-time unemployment plus the supplemental, which... You know, that's hard to hear because <laughs> it's like, well, we need full-time workers, not really, you know, part-time. So I think a lot of people have gotten comfortable with making, you know, the same wage or more without having to go to work. Um, and I've spoken to other restaurant owners, and everybody is kind of on the same page where we're literally, you know, trying to offer more, you know, money hourly, plus they get their tips. Um, to have people come in to work. Um, We did receive PPP last year and we received PPP this year, but we need bodies to come to work. And so it's been difficult because even when you offer more, people are still reluctant to come in. So I'm i at a loss. (laughs) I'm not sure, you know, what to do, what the solution would be other than maybe the supplemental they extended till September if they took that away. I mean, if we're opening in May, they should be, you know, decreasing the amount in my point of view. But, you know, who am I to say?
2: (laughs) Well, Juliana, thank you for calling in and again, telling us your experience. We we wish you luck on Mother's Day.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you.
2: Coming up, we're going to hear from some economists about uh, what's happening in our job market and also some of the reasons behind when we think about uh, unemployment uh, insurance benefits. Uh, Often, we're thinking about uh, individuals uh, and helping them, but what does this mean for the public good, especially in a pandemic? Uh, We're going to be talking about that coming up, but I wanted to just take a quick call. Heather in Waterbury. Heather, go ahead.
3: Hi. You know, I was just listening, and um, I know that it, that people are having a hard time. But you know, you don't have to search for jobs while you're getting the unemployment that was waived due to COVID. So that's not a factor. I think the factor is is a lot of people are a little uncertain about going back to work, and you know, it's hard with childcare, with schools changing every other day. You know, there might be someone with COVID, and you have to stay home for two weeks with your child because someone in their class has contracted it, it's, it's just very uneasy times. I don't think it really has to do with anything about the government giving out money because it has become less and less. I think it has more to do with people and their emotions and just their needs.
2: Well, thank you, Heather, uh, for that call. Eric, if you're still with us, did you want to respond to what Heather shared with us?
1: Oh, yes, I, I uh, fully agree that what heather was suggesting is is a factor um my wife gail is a teacher and i can tell you that it's really tough and challenging for gail to go through this as well however i just would like to suggest that all of the all the other contractors that i have spoken with uh, and actually just the other day i was speaking with a physician friend of mine who is opening up another shop, and he needed a secretary back that was on on unemployment, and she suggested to my friend that she'd love to come back, but she couldn't um, she couldn't see him paying the same wage to her that she's making on unemployment. So that's that's pretty clear. Um, and the other the other folks that I have spoken with. Um, have gotten the same sort of information from people they're trying to hire back.
2: Well, Eric Nelson, again, owner of Garden Paths Incorporated, thank you for joining us today on the show and good luck to you the rest of your season.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
2: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Again, we're going to hear from some economists about uh, the jobs picture in our state. You can join us as well, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from a couple of small business owners in Connecticut who are having trouble finding workers. It's a trend seen in certain industries across our country. Some may still be on unemployment, but Marketplace reported there are workers who've also found different higher paying jobs than the ones they've had before the pandemic, ones that they can do from home. What does the jobs picture look like in our state and in our region? Joining us now on Zoom, Patrick Flaherty, Director of Research at the Connecticut Department of Labor. Patrick, welcome to the show. morning, Lucy. So we know that more than 50% of Connecticut adults have received at least one COVID dose. These COVID restrictions are being lifted in our state and, and others in our region. Employers are hiring. So what's really going on in the jobs market? What's the data saying?
4: Well, the data is saying that jobs are picking up. We've had three very good months in uh, Connecticut: of January, February, March. Jobs increased, and jobs increased more in March than they had in February, and more in February than they had in January. And so, you know, we're coming out of this, uh, but you know, we cannot ignore the fact that uh, the pandemic caused the largest job declines uh, in the history of our country, in the history of our state. And it's gonna take a while for us to get back to where we were before the pandemic hit.
2: Mm. Uh, When uh, we talk about jobs that were lost, particular sectors that were hit the most, Patrick?
4: Well, the restaurant industry was hit the most and retail, but uh, interestingly, we also lost a lot of jobs in the healthcare sector, uh, which seems counterintuitive given the fact that it was a pandemic. But when you think about dentist's offices closing, people being afraid to get uh, uh, some of their elective surgeries and uh, their just routine uh, medical care, uh, we saw a large decline in that sector and that sector has yet to fully recover. I'm optimistic in the long run because there's going to be pent-up demand for those services. People who have been procrastinating going to the doctor and getting their teeth cleaned are eventually going to go back. And so we're going to see some real strong growth in that sector uh, sometime in the next year. Uh, but uh, it's taking a bit longer than uh, I might have predicted, but uh, it's because the health crisis has lasted a lot longer uh, than I would have predicted Uh Half the people getting vaccinated is fantastic, but it still causes worry about the half that have not. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to get our economy moving again, uh, it's to get more people vaccinated. And I know that there's a lot of uh, effort being done uh, to make that happen. And uh, I hope folks understand when they get vaccinated, they're protecting themselves, uh, but they are also contributing to the future of our state and our country.
2: When we talk about, uh, you said, hopefully by July of 2022, we'll we'll be bounced back. It's still a long time away. Uh, So labor demand still a lot um, greater than supply. And in the trades, especially, uh, there's a need, Patrick?
4: Well, we're certainly seeing job postings are up. uh, uh, Overall, the national numbers show that job openings are actually where they were before the pandemic hit. So we know employers are trying to hire. And uh, the guests you had uh, earlier on the show are not the only ones who are uh, attempting to hire. And the labor market is adjusting. uh, But uh, there are going to be some folks that are reluctant to go back to work because they're concerned about their health. Uh, There are folks that are having difficulty going back to work because of the fact that their children are home, uh, learning from home, or they haven't uh, 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 made arrangements for childcare yet. All of those things are going to be resolved, I believe, by the middle of next year. Uh, so we need to hang in there. Uh, and it is, when I say it's going to be resolved, there are some people working very, very hard to help resolve them. So uh, it's it's some of it's going to happen on its own as the uh, uh, economy continues to heal, uh, and some of it's going to happen because of initiatives that are being taken place by policymakers. Mm -hmm.
2: What is Connecticut's unemployment rate right now? I understand there's new national numbers. Unemployment rate rose to 6%, but the the job recovery not as, as great as economists had hoped.
4: Well, the latest numbers we have, Connecticut's unemployment rate is 8.3%, which is, uh, which is high, uh, well below where it was uh, in the middle of 2020, uh, so we're moving in the right direction, uh, but there are still a lot of people that are out of work, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, the labor market is like, uh, you know, it, it takes a match, so there there are uh, certainly employers looking to hire people, and there are out-of-work people who are looking for jobs, and, you uh, getting those uh, two uh, groups matched together uh, doesn't happen instantly. And uh, as I said, the process is, is, is happening. Uh, We're seeing job growth in Connecticut uh, that we expect will continue. And uh, again, by the middle of next year, uh, we do expect employment to be back to pre-pandemic levels.
2: You're hearing Patrick Flaherty, Director of Research at the Connecticut Department of Labor, as we talk about why some small businesses are having trouble finding workers in this pandemic. Again, the number to join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Sean's calling in from New Haven. Sean, what do you want to share?
5: Uh, Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm a local contractor and uh, my experience has been when trying to hire people recently is that they're willing to work for cash so they could double dip and not they're less interested in getting paid on the books uh, because it means they wouldn't qualify for the amount of money that they're getting between state and federal, uh, the state and federal payments towards unemployment. Uh, what I would like to see Department of Labor do is they, they have access to who people have been employed by over the past three years or five years and it would be nice if they could send a request out to employers saying this person is currently unemployed are you willing to hire them back uh, I think it might be a way and I'm not I'm not for making a system that's like Florida where it's nearly impossible to get unemployment but I I do think that if someone has a job offered where they're getting paid similar to what they've gotten paid in the past or possibly even more that they 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 can't just say that they're trying to get a job when they have one offered. And Department of Labor can view that.
2: Well, Sean, thank you for calling in. Here's the number eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to bring another perspective into our conversation. Uh, Gary Bertlis has been listening in, senior fellow in economics at the Brookings Institution. He's on Zoom. Gary, welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've been hearing from some small business owners who say they're struggling to find workers. They think that uh, the generous unemployment insurance benefits is keeping people from wanting to come back to work. So what's happening here in terms of you know the reasons behind why we have these programs and, and some of the, the real-life challenges that people are facing?
6: Well, there's two sides to unemployment benefits. First, uh, by the Toward the end of April, we'd already spent uh, $729 billion on unemployment compensation benefits since the beginning of the COVID emergency. That spending has in turn allowed unemployed families, unemployed workers and their families to keep on spending and has boosted demand, which is one reason that there are a lot of customers going and trying to buy services. They have the money to buy them so that's the that's the positive side of unemployment benefits the negative side is yes now that there are job openings developing in the economy we have millions of people who are receiving generous unemployment benefits that top up the typical unemployment benefits that they would have received under the system uh, in effect before the COVID emergency struck uh, currently that's 300 extra dollars a week AND THAT FOR MANY PEOPLE IS GIVING THEM A HIGHER INCOME THAN THE INCOME THEY ENJOYED WHILE THEY WERE AT WORK. THIS IS NOT TRUE FOR ALL WORKERS CLEARLY, BUT IT'S TRUE FOR PROBABLY ABOUT HALF OF THE WORKERS COLLECTING UNEMPLOYMENT BENEFITS. THEY'RE RECEIVING MORE IN WEEKLY BENEFITS THAN THE EARNINGS THAT THEY LOST. AND THAT'S ESPECIALLY TRUE FOR LOW PAID WORKERS WHERE THE the, the BENEFIT TOP UP REALLY IS MAKING A CONSIDERABLE DIFFERENCE IN THEIR WEEKLY INCOME. SO YES, some of those people are still cautious about contracting uh, the, the COVID uh, infection and they don't, they feel insecure going back to work because they, they think they will be exposing themselves to the risk of getting sick and at the same time they have these, this generous income protection that gives them a higher income than they would receive if they went to work. Uh, now. Bear in mind, this has not been a problem for the economy so far. There are so many workers that are eager to get jobs that uh, a lot of the job openings have been filled uh, despite the fact that some people who are taking those jobs are giving up income from unemployment compensation that would have allowed them to have a higher weekly income without working while continuing to receive unemployment benefits than with working. And having a wage, but no unemployment
2: benefits. And I think that's important to talk about the different factors that uh, people are weighing about returning to work. Uh, not only the fear of getting COVID, but even the lack of of childcare. We know that when schools were closed, or even doing partial uh, learning at home, uh, Gary, that's a real burden on families.
6: That's right. And, and it looks, if you look at the statistics, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics every, every month asks people, did you look for work in the last four weeks? And uh, if you didn't look for work, would you accept a job if one were available? Would you look for a job if you thought ones were available? The, the number of people who look like they're in the job market has fallen off over the last 12 months, and I think that you've put your finger on one of the factors that is reducing the number of people who are seeking work, and that is they have children to care for, they have elderly relatives to care for, and they don't have the resources to take care of those children, take care of their elderly uh, relatives, uh, given the fact uh, uh, that, that a lot of the uh, services that would take care of the elderly, take care of the children are not currently available. So the, these people are not available for work because they have to care for family members. And that is indeed one of the things that's holding down the number of people looking for work. But another factor is that even people who are unemployed in many cases would be asked to make a financial sacrifice to go to work and expose themselves to the risk of getting COVID. so I, I think that there's a couple of things going on but bear in mind one of the reasons that businesses have so many customers in in, in in this month is because over the last year we have spent uh three quarters of a trillion dollars on unemployment benefits so that families who have been affected adversely affected by unemployment can still spend money for groceries for restaurant meals for clothing and for other items that are keeping up uh, the demand for uh, for goods and services and that are giving employers the impression that there are a lot of customers out there who want to buy stuff they wouldn't be able to buy stuff without the generous unemployment benefits that we have been providing so far and I don't think unemployment benefits thus far The negative effects have have nearly outweighed the positive effects of drumming up businesses, uh, drumming up commerce uh, and demand for businesses.
2: Again, you can join us here on Where We Live, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Tony's calling in from North Brantford. Tony, you're on the show.
5: Hi. Hi. I just wanted to let you know that I that I spoken to a lot of a lot of people, hundreds, hundreds of people. I see a lot of people from young women, young girls to men to adults, teenagers. And a lot of them have told me almost 100 percent of them is they don't really want to go and get a job. Because if they do get a job, they don't know how long they're going to last at that job by wearing the mask four to six to eight hours a day. So until the mask mandate is lifted, they're not even going to bother looking for work because even if they pay well, they'll last not long and they'll lose the opportunity.
2: Well, thank you, Tony, for calling in to, to share that with us here on Where We Live. Uh, my guests uh, on Where We Live today, Gary Burtless, Senior Fellow in Economics at the Brookings Institution. Also Patrick Flaherty is here, Director of Research at the Connecticut Department of Labor. Uh, Gary, before we head into break, I, you know, I did want to raise a point that one of your colleagues at Brookings uh, wrote about and the idea of when we think about unemployment insurance benefits and the fact that uh, the government has expanded this uh, during this public health crisis that uh, you know it also plays into what's good for our public good the idea that if people aren't going back to work and especially in jobs that are maybe riskier than others in a pandemic that uh, these benefits help people pay their rent uh, pay their bills and also help reduce community transmission in the process
6: yes that was i think one of the things that congress had in mind a year ago March when they made the initial uh, benefits so generous, they topped up people's uh, regular unemployment insurance benefits by $600 a week, not just 300, which is currently the top up that we are, that unemployed workers are receiving. And I think that one of the things that the Congress and congressmen and senators had in mind was that they wanted people who lost their jobs. And remember there were over 20 million of them. Uh, they wanted those workers to feel as though they could still pay their bills without desperately pounding the pavement to find any job opportunity that they could. They wanted people to have an alternative to exposing themselves to the risk of getting sick. Uh, and we, w- the benefits have been crucial, I think, in that respect. So I completely agree with my colleague.
2: Again, you can join us here on Where We Live, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Where We Live. I wanted to play uh, one more perspective from a small business owner in our state. Connecticut Public Radio's Harriet Jones spoke with Vivian Torregrosa, owner of the restaurant Vivian's Mediterranean Market in Mystic, Connecticut. She's been in business for 12 years, and although her restaurant survived the lockdown period, she's still having a difficult time.
0: So we were looking ahead and thinking, you know, we're going to get through this. Unfortunately, I lost my chef who was with me for a couple of years. And after that, uh, I have been unable to hire any help. For the summer business, the increase in summer business, the influx into Mystic, hundreds of thousands of people come through Mystic in the summer. We get so busy. The increase in business is unbelievable. Have you tried to hire? Absolutely, we've been trying to hire for the last three months. No one available. I actually had a couple of phone calls. One person made an appointment and never showed up. Actually, two people made an appointment and didn't show up. And one person actually asked me if I would pay him in cash so he could continue to collect unemployment. And I was not about to do anything to break the law so I can have a chef in my kitchen. I need two experienced cooks in order for me to be here in the summer with me. For the last three months, I have been working alone in the kitchen, doing three jobs of three cooks, prepping the short line cook and cooking all the food that goes into our cases. It has caused me physical damage. I'm really Uh, dealing with a terrible lower back problem, terrible wrist problem because I'm tendinitis in my wrist. So I took on too much to stay in business. And unfortunately, after three months, I'm completely unable to handle the increase in summer business by myself. So I have to close. I hope you don't mind me asking, but... I'm curious whether you feel like you're offering you know, the, the market rate or what, what kind of wages you're offering. Absolutely, the market rate, $15 an hour, and I was willing to do 16 and that's pretty much the going rate for the people I'm looking for, a prep chef, that's a great pay, and for a line cook, also a great pay, I, and I don't think it's about the market rate right now, to be honest with you, so look, unemployment is a very important, it's important. We pay into it so that when we need it, we can depend on it. And I totally support unemployment. However, individuals who are not willing to work because they would rather collect are damaging our businesses. By not working by the shortages in the workforce that we're dealing with, businesses are going out. There's going to be less positions available eventually for those who are going to be off of unemployment in September and will be looking for work. So you're closing mid-May after having been in business for 12 years. Was that your intention or how do you feel about the fact that you have to close? No, it was not my intention. We were not planning to close. Uh, My plan was to train a couple of people to take over the kitchen and I would eventually retire in November. I guess I'm retiring early and I was hoping that this will continue to move forward with other people where I just was able to manage. It's been really emotional there's a lot of mixed emotions about what we're doing. We're not happy about closing. Um, We have great support in our community. We've made a lot of amazing friends here. It's been a great journey. It's been a great journey. And I think it was a, a little bit too sudden for us to end the journey the way we are. Uh, totally unexpected. But, you know, you do what you got to do.
2: That was Vivian Torregrosa, owner of Vivian's Mediterranean Market in Mystic. Her restaurant will be closing permanently on May 15th. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. We'll be back after a short break. This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy nall Coming up Monday, Universal Basic Income, a program popularized and by presidential candidate Andrew Yang, might be coming to a Connecticut city. On the next Where We Live, we talk with members of a task force working to create a pilot program in Hartford to provide universal basic income to some residents. That conversation on Monday. Now today, on Zoom with me, Patrick Flaherty, Director of Research at the Connecticut Department of Labor, and Gary Burtless, Senior Fellow in Economics at the Brookings institution as we talk about uh, the job recovery, what's happening in our economy, and some of the struggles that some employers are having finding workers. I just wanted to share some social that we've been getting uh, during the show. Uh, Sierra wrote on Facebook, uh, why frame this as generous unemployment? Instead, let's talk about the unlivable low wages that people are having despite being on unemployment. There's no shame in wanting to pay one's bills and live with less financial worry. Ryan from Willimantic writes, it's really hard to make ends meet at minimum wage in Connecticut. A lot of people are barely scraping by. He understands why people would not want to go back to work to make less if they can't make ends meet working full time. Gary Bertless from the Brookings Institution, I wanted you to comment on what some of our listeners have shared, this tension, this idea that yes, uh, people um, are on, an, on unemployment, but in reality, a lot of the jobs that they've been working, the wages aren't able uh, to help them make ends meet?
6: That's certainly a true and a fair statement of a lot of people's predicament. And uh, I empathize with it. But the one thing that they should bear in mind is that uh, unemployment benefits do come to an end. People lose lose access to benefits after they've been unemployed for a certain amount of time. At the moment, I think a lot of the increase in generosity and the extensions in benefits are going to end uh, according to current law, in September of this year, uh, people should know from last year's bitter experience that the $600 per week top-up ended at the end of July. There was a little trickle of benefits in, in August, but then all of the additions to uh, the weekly benefit amount ended from basically September through the end of the year. Uh, and that's because, you, you know, dis- despite what might be good practice, Congress often cannot agree on, on keeping these benefit uh, liberalizations in effect, and so they may come to an end. And here is another thing to keep in mind, and I think many unemployment unemployed workers recognize this, if you're offered a job today, it may actually be the best job you're going to be offered for the next 20 months. Uh, and consequently, that has been in the back of a lot of unemployed workers minds when they give up an unemployment benefit that is more generous in weekly benefit terms than the wage on the new job that they're beginning so those are the cautions i would offer to people who think yes i should keep on receiving unemployment benefits because they're more generous than the wage on the next job i have the unemployment benefits come to an end and if you're lucky, of course, the the next job you have will last much longer than the unemployed unemployment benefits to which you're currently eligible.
2: Mm. Uh, Suzanne's calling in from Stratford. Suzanne, you have a question for the economists.
7: Uh, yes, I do. Um, I was just um, listening to all of this and thinking, you know, the businesses um, they've all struggled, right? So they've lost money through the less work or being through the shutdown. And they're business people and they would make decisions, um, you know, based on the bottom line and what was best financially for them. And, and so, um, I'm thinking that why isn't there a way that people that perhaps would choose to stay home because of their financial situ- situation to get perhaps a little bit of that, um, uh, unemployment benefit as well, and then maybe take a little burden financially off their employer. Um, you know, fifteen dollars an hour is not—you're not on easy street. You know, so uh, I just want to put that out there too—that people may think that that's something. It's still not a living wage. I, I dare people who do who don't do it to try it.
2: Good point, Suzanne. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Patrick Flaherty, you're still with us from the Connecticut Department of Labor. We've been talking about unemployment insurance. uh, But, you know, in Connecticut, there are also concerns that, uh, you know, where's the money going to come from to keep this fund going?
4: Yeah, well, you know, I I would like to push back a little bit on this word generous that I've heard uh, so much over the past uh, hour. The The fact is that no one is able to collect unemployment benefits who doesn't have some prior attachment to the labor force, meaning they worked. And it means that they have lost their job through no fault of their own. At the moment, the average weekly benefit is $300 a week. With the additional $300, that's $600 a week. If somebody were to collect that for a full year, which is not possible as there are time limits as as Gary mentioned, uh, that would still be $20,000 a year less than the median wage in Connecticut. So if uh, a person is able to collect more uh, uh, in benefits than they were making working, it means that they weren't making very much while they were working. And I appreciate uh the fact that there are employers that are having a difficult time hiring, this is happening throughout our nation. Uh, we actually had a labor shortage before the pandemic and some of the factors that were making it difficult from work, uh, employers to find workers before the pandemic are still with us, exacerbated uh, by the fear of uh, going back to work that some folks have. Um, and, uh, to specifically uh, answer the question of the previous caller, we do have a shared work program uh, to try to help uh, employers who have to reduce uh, their payroll partially. Um, and uh, in, with regard to uh, the, the money, uh, the uh, Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund is funded by a tax on employers, uh, in addition of by the federal government. And the federal government has been providing all of the funds uh, for the additional uh, 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 Ads that have been uh, occurring over the past weeks.
2: Mm. And then once the the federal government doesn't provide that, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, the challenge that Connecticut may face uh, with unemployment, the program in the future, Patrick.
4: Well, it is not usually my uh, role to uh, comment on policy, but uh, it is certainly uh, public knowledge that there is legislation within uh, the legislature right now uh, addressing the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. And uh, I would certainly invite uh, any listeners to contact uh, 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 the the policymakers uh, with regard to the status of that legislation.
2: Uh, Gary Burtless from Brookings, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, did you want to add or respond to what Patrick shared?
6: Uh, no, I he, he spoke very completely and well. I think.
2: And so, when we we talked to Patrick earlier about uh, recovery in our state, uh, getting some jobs back, uh, hopefully by July of 2022, uh, what will you be watching, uh, Gary, when we look at the national picture?
6: Well, by July 22, I would expect. The economy should be much closer to recovery than it currently is, unless there's another outbreak of uh, the coronavirus or new variants pose lethal dangers to a lot of people. I think stepping back from the, what, the present day situation and thinking about where we were a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago, if you'd asked economists, what is going to be the effect of having a disease that kills 550, 600,000 people over the next 13 or 14 months, most of us would have said, it's going to be an absolute disaster for the economy. It's gonna be a terrible disaster for the labor market because of people's fear, legitimate fear of interacting with others as customers, as uh, as, uh, fellow employees and so forth. It's going to put a huge dent in the economy and I think I, along with most economists, have been surprised by how resilient the economy has been, given this, how the economy could continue to operate at such a high level over the course of people being in terror that they or someone in their family was going to get sick as a result of exposure. Uh, and I think part of the reason that the economy has been resilient were, were those powerful uh income protection measures that Congress adopted in March of 2020 that allowed people to keep on spending, keep on buying, keep on paying grocery bills, kept them from being evicted from apartments, kept them uh, paying their mortgage payments and so on, that the the damage to the economy has been a lot less than I think most people if told that we were going to have this level of death and disease uh what was going to happen to the economy we would have been astonished that the the effects have been relatively Mm -hmm. mild as opposed to calamitous remember the unemployment rate uh only in one or two months of this whole experience got up to the level of what it was in the great recession when high unemployment rates lasted a long long time Mm -hmm. so this is not this has been really quite an amazing eye-opening experience for for some of us.
2: And Gary, we're going to leave it there. Gary Burtless, Senior Fellow of Economics at the Brookings Institution. Also, thanks to Patrick Flaherty, Director of Research at the Connecticut Department of Labor. I'm Lucy nall Tess Terrible produced today's show. Kat Pastor is our technical producer, and Hannes Brown composed our theme music. Have a great weekend.